Our Bible reading is from Daniel chapter 7, and I'm going to read uh, to you uh, the first uh, 21 verses. Daniel chapter 7. Let's read the Word of God together. Follow with me. The words will come up on the screen, or if you have your own Bible, then please use that as well, so you can see and hear the Word of God. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea. And four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth. And he had stand upon the feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second like to a bear, and it raised up itself in one side, and it had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it. And they said thus unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. And after this I beheld, and lo, another like a leper, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast had also four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and brake in pieces, and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of man, and a mouth speaking great things. I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery steam issued and came forth from before him. Thousands, thousands ministered unto him, and tens, thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were opened. I beheld then, because of the voice of the great words which the horns spake, I beheld even till the beast was slain, and his body destroyed and giving to the burning flame. As concerning the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and time. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man come with the clouds of heaven, and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit in the midst of my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. I came near unto one of them that stood by and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me and made me to know the interpretation of the things. These great beasts, which are four, 
are four kings which shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which was diverse from all the others, exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron and his nails of brass, which devoured, breaking pieces, and stamped the residue with his feet, and of the ten horns that were in his head, and of the other which came up, and before whom three fell, even of that horn that had eyes, and a mouth that spake very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows. I beheld, and the same horn made war with the saints, and prevailed against them, until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High, and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own infallible word. At this point, we're going to have a soloist. Um, Miss Victoria Salt is going to minister to us in song. I want 
do indeed want to thank Victoria for uh, sending us that lovely piece and for ministering to us this evening. God bless you. It has thrilled our hearts. Let's just unite together in a wee word of prayer. Lord, we thank thee for the word of God tonight. We thank thee at thy words, a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And we know the Lord Jesus told us, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And we thank thee that thou was made us wise Lord, for we have called upon thee to speak. We have asked thee, Lord, to send us thy light and thy truth. And we thank thee, O God, that thou hast been pleased to answer prayer. We're glad that we can say with the psalmist, Behold, wondrous things out of thy law. Open up the book to us. Lord, give us understanding. Give us grace. O God, give us wisdom, we pray. Come and enlighten us. Let the entrance of thy word give us light. O oh Lord, bless us with understanding now and use thy word to teach us and instruct us not only as the saints of God but to sinners to saving faith in Christ and backsliders to be restored and Lord, the people of God to hold on to a word from heaven. Lord, hear prayer. We, we thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank thee even for the, the truth of his coming kingdom. And Lord, we say to thee, let thy kingdom come for thy glory. Lord, hear prayer now. We plead the blood. Cleanse me in the blood. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. And use thy word tonight. For we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Now this evening we are continuing with our series of expository sermons in the book of Daniel. And tonight my text is taken from Daniel chapter 7 verses 7 and 8 that I've already read in your hearing. And my theme tonight is entitled Daniel's Vision and the Little Horn. Now, Daniel chapter 7 commences what many commentators describe as the second division of the book of Daniel. You're familiar, of course, with the fact that there's 12 chapters in the book of Daniel. Daniel is divided into two parts, the first six chapters and then the latter six chapters. Now, we've already preached in these first six chapters, not exhaustively, but expository. And these first six chapters we've discovered are largely historical. They're really about Daniel and his four friends and how God, in a very strange way, by a variety of multiple means, brought judgment, not only upon men like Nebuchadnezzar, but judgment upon the kingdom of Babylon and the nations of this world. 
We've also indicated that in the first six chapters, there were indeed political or prophetical highlights that were brought to the fore. We thought about Daniel 2, for example, Nebuchadnezzar's great image. Now, the second part of Daniel, the last six chapters, is the opposite, because there's some historical highlights but the main body that has been set forth in the latter six chapters is, by and large, prophetical. Daniel is given a series of visions, and these visions, of course, were unfolding to what was going to happen, not only in Daniel's day, but in the future. And these happenings in the earth these happenings in the nations of the earth were to stretch from Daniel's time in Babylon right up to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in power and in glory. And I want you to understand that. These visions in the latter six chapters span the history of the world from the days of the Babylonian Empire, the first great Gentile world power until the coming of Jesus Christ to this earth the second time to set up his kingdom. Listen to these words in Daniel 7 and 9. I beheld till the thrones were cast down and the ancient of days did sit. Verse 22 of the same chapter. Until the ancient of days came. And judgment was given to the saints of the Most High, and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. So these visions of Daniel in the latter six chapters span the history of the world from the days of the Babylonian Empire until the kingdom of Jesus Christ. I have read through Daniel 7 a number of times this week. I acknowledge there's some things here difficult to understand. Others would argue that there's things here that are controversial. But I would ask for your prayers tonight. I attempt to do my best in the Lord's name. I've looked at this and there's too much for one sermon. And next week we'll return and we'll look at another sermon based upon the fifth kingdom set up by the Ancient of Days. But tonight we're just thinking about Daniel's vision and the little horn that is mentioned here. I want you to think of three things tonight. Let's think of the record of the vision. If you look with me at uh, Daniel chapter 7, and in the verse 7 it says, After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a force beast, dreadful and terrible, strong exceedingly. Now, when did Daniel have this night vision? And that takes us right back to chapter 7, verse 1. And the time is identified. Here's a record of the time. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw or had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters or the reference in the Hebrew is the words. Now here's an important detail. Notice the mention of a time. It was in the first year of Belshazzar. And you see, you're discovering straight away that the book of Daniel, and I've told you this before, is not chronological. It's not written in order of time. 
this man, Belshazzar, was mentioned before, and we got a glimpse into in the third year of his reign on the final night of his life when he lost the kingdom to the Medes and Persians. Yet here it is in chapter 7, a specific mention of time. I want you to think of Daniel in bed. He's asleep and he has a dream. It's the night time. And this dream's an important one because in his dream, Daniel was given a vision. And, and Daniel recorded the dream. And Daniel not only wrote it down, but Daniel remembered specifically the time. Think of the timing of the vision. It's important. You see, there's nothing in the book by accident. Every word, I believe, is inspired and inerrant. God is sovereign. And God does things according to his own will. And if we were to read about the other visions, chapter 8, verse 1, chapter 9, verse 1, chapter 10, verse 1, these visions were given at different times, but the times are recorded. Daniel kept a record, and it's a record of the time. And you see, what do we learn? We learn that God's a God of order, that God has a plan and God has a purpose. And here's God dealing with his servant. Sometimes I think about God's men having a diary and keeping a record in the diary of God's dealings in their lives and highlighting significant events in their life. Well, that's exactly what Daniel's doing. God's a God of order. There's a record of time here. There's a time for everything under the sun. And God has a time and a day for you and me. A time to be born. A time to die. Aye, a time to live. A time when God significantly deals with our lives. There's not only a record of time here, but there's a record of truth here. Why did Daniel get this night vision upon his bed on the first year of the reign of Belshazzar? And here's the answer, and it's very simple, but I think it's profound. God's word is true. You see, Daniel 7, if you read it carefully, is a kind of repetition of the information that we were giving in Daniel 2. Of course, yes, it contains new facts. But God revealed to Nebuchadnezzar many years earlier in a, a vision or in a dream about four great world empires that were going to come. And God is revealing now to Daniel, many years later, the same thing using a different imagery. Nebuchadnezzar's image was four great world empires. Babylon represented the head of gold, the Medes and Persians, the breast and arms of silver, the Grecian Empire, the belly and thighs of brass, the Roman Empire, legs of iron and feet part of iron and clay with ten toes. And Daniel's vision, he saw the same four kingdoms. In Daniel 2, I believe Daniel, through the gift of interpretation, revealed to Nebuchadnezzar the reality and certainty and authority of these four kingdoms, albeit four inferior kingdoms. And then in Daniel 7, Daniel's also highlighting the reality and the certainty and the authority of these four kingdoms. But he's adding a little bit about their depravity. 
He's adding a little bit about their barbarity. It's a bit like having a revelation that somebody has given a million pounds and then sometime later another revelation, a bit of news is added, how they spent that million pounds. Well, that's the picture here. In Daniel 2, they were given power, reality and certainty and authority. But, but here now in chapter 7, how they used that power. It's a bit about their depravity and their barbarity. It's the same vision. Four world empires. And in this vision, Daniel saw four great beasts. If you look with me at verse 4, it says the first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. In verse 5, and behold, another beast, a second like to a bear, and it raised up itself in one side, and it had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it. And then we read in verse 6, After this I beheld and know another like a leper, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. These four wings, of course, speak of swiftness and strength, and I'll explain the meaning in a little moment. He says in verse 7, After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly, and it had great teeth that devoured and break in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it, and it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. Now look with me at verse 8. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of man and a mouth speaking great things. You see, there was nothing like this in chapter 2. This is a, a fresh vision at a later time. But it's about the same four world empires. It's about the same time frame. And there's additional details being added here. And then he mentions a fifth kingdom, the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And there are some additional details added to the record of truth, not found in Daniel 2. And you can read that in Daniel chapter 7, verse 9, right through to verse 14. I beheld till the thrones were cast down and the Ancient of Days did sit Oh, this is tremendous. But I want to make this clear tonight. This record of truth, it all came to pass just as God had detailed it. Isn't the Bible a wonderful book? Not only is God's word true, and you should learn that. Every word of God is pure, precious, and powerful. But also learn tonight that God is absolutely sovereign over times, over history, over men, over world events. It's as if God is stepping in to take charge and control of a godless Gentile world. And what was true then, 500 years and more before Jesus Christ came into the world, was true in our world's history. Think of 1588 and the Spanish Armada in the English Channel uh, sent by King Philip of Spain to conquer England on behalf of Roman Catholicism and what do we read in the scriptures God blew with his wind and they were scattered you see that was God 
stepping in, God taking charge, God controlling world affairs and world events. Didn't they not do the same in the 1940s in World War II when everything was bleak and bad and hopeless and people felt uh, Hitler was going to invade England and the uh, uh, English-speaking world at that time would be overrun by Nazism? And of course, God stepped in and God took control because God is sovereign. God works in the affairs of men. And what was true in Daniel's day is true in our day. So here's a record of the vision. It's a record of time. God's in control of time. And it's a record of truth. And God's word is true. And God is absolutely sovereign and in control. That's wonderful news. That should encourage your hearts. Notice, secondly here, the response to the vision. Come to Daniel chapter 7 and look with me at verse 15. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit in the midst of my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. That word grieved means that Daniel was pierced to the heart. He was troubled by what he had seen. He was left wondering and thinking, what did all this mean? He's full of consternation. Oh, if you read the book carefully, this vision was given to Daniel. You think of the emphasis on the word I here in the chapter, in uh, chapter 7 and verse 2, I saw. Chapter 7 and verse 4, I beheld. And again in verse 6, after this I beheld and no another. Verse 7, after this I saw in the night vision. Verse 9, I beheld till the thrones were cast down. Verse 11, I beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horns spake. Verse 13, I saw in the night visions and behold one like the Son of Man. Verse 21, I beheld and the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them. You see, it's all about what Daniel saw and the impact that it had. Daniel strove to understand. Daniel took thoughts into his mind and sought to be perceptive. He, he looked and he wanted to see answers and he, and he kept looking and his heart and mind was filled with the desire to look into the things of God. And even though it was full of alarm and dread, here he is living in the world of Babylon. A, 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 a Gentile world that had, 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 was about to, to, to fall a world full of problems and pain and persecution, a world that was turned upside down. And yet, what did Daniel do? He, he strove to look into the things of God. And in our world full of problems and pain and persecution, even when it's in a chaotic state and things are bad and bleak all over the world, United States, United Kingdom, then, then let's, let's look to the Lord for answers. Let, let's be filled with a desire to look into the things of God and to pray even with the psalmist, Lord, teach me. Unite my heart to fear thy name. Now, what did Daniel do? Look with me at verse 16. He says, I came near unto one of them that stood by, and I take that to be a reference to one of the holy angels, and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me and made me to know the interpretation of the things. He was given the meaning. And if you look at verse 17, it says, These great beasts which are four, 
our four kings, which shall arise out of the earth. Do you see that now? You see, there's only one true interpretation. And it's given from God in heaven. It's not man's interpretation. It's not mere conjecture. It's not proud man explaining something to us. We must stick to the book, to the law and to the scripture. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there's no light in them. It's not man's interpretation. It wasn't Daniel's own interpretation. The four beasts, what do they represent? Well, they represent four kings with four kingdoms. And they're going to arise out of the earth. He's made reference in verse 3. And the four beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. The word diverse means different. And the reference to the sea here, I believe, is the great sea. There's four great seas in the Bible. The Sea of Galilee. The Dead Sea. The Red Sea. And the Mediterranean Sea. Do you know the Mediterranean Sea is known as the Great Sea? It's the center of the earth. And, and, and it's in the Middle East. And, and the Great Sea forms the western border of the land of Israel. Now why that particular sea? Why that particular part of the earth? Because this is known as the prophetic earth. This is the area that holds the key to the great events that are going to unfold on the world stage. Don't be looking to the United States of America. Don't be looking to the United Kingdom or Australia or China. Keep your eyes on the Middle East. These four beasts arise out of the great sea. These four beasts come forth from the middle of the earth. And they represent four kings of the kingdom. I want you to notice that Daniel was struck by the fourth kingdom. Look at verse 19. Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which was diverse from all the others, exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron, and his nails of brass, which devoured, breaking pieces, and stamped the residue with his feet. And of the ten horns that were in his head, and of the other which came up, and before whom three fell, even of that horn that had eyes and a mouth that spake very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows. Notice how Daniel was struck by the fourth kingdom. He thought about its depravity, its barbarity, its ferocity. This kingdom was so fierce and terrible, there was none like it. This kingdom was strong and ruthless, that, that sent terror and dread into the inhabitants of the earth. Did you notice that mention in verse 20 of the ten horns? The horns represent power. These ten horns represent ten kings. He told us that in chapter 7, verse 25. He says, um, And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of times. Sorry, it was in verse 24. And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise. Do, do you see that? Now, that's important that you grasp that. And, and, and of the other little horn, he was interested to know what that meant. 
And we know the little horn made war with the saints. Verse 21, I beheld in the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them until the Ancient of Days came. Now, do you see that? See, Daniel focused in on the fourth beast. His mind was really focused on the little horn. And that was very important. He was full of consternation. But he's full of consideration. What does this mean? And he comes and he asks for the true interpretation. And it's given to him. Now we've thought about the record of the vision and the response to the vision. Let's think of the revelation of the vision. See, these four beasts represent four kingdoms of the kingdom. We're not given to speculation or conjecture. We're not left to ourselves. We're told in verse 17, these great beasts which are four are four kings which shall arise out of the earth. The winged lion, the first beast, mentioned in verse 4, represents Babylon. And apparently, and I looked to history to verify this, that the um, winged lion uh, portrait was on the gates into the entrance to ancient Babylon. The second beast was like a bear that represented the uh, Medo-Persian Empire, and that bear had three ribs in its mouth. And the three ribs are said to represent Babylon that they took over, also the land of Egypt, and also Libya. The third beast was a leper with four wings, as mentioned in verse 6. The leopard is a very swift and strong animal. It represents the Grecian Empire and the rise of Alexander the Great. Did you know that when he was 26, he wept because there was no more worlds or lands for him to conquer? The four wings represent the four generals that ruled over him. And the fourth beast in verse 7 is a beast that's unnamed. It's unidentified. It's not like a lion. It's not like a bear. It's not like a leopard. It's, it represents the Roman Empire. And he says in verse 19, then I would know the truth of the fourth beast. You see, the fourth beast was bloody and thirsty for power. And you think of the Roman Empire, how that had conquered the known world. And we're told here in verse 20, and of the ten horns that were in his head. What does the ten horns mean? Well, look at verse 24. I've already told you. And the ten horns were off out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise. This is future. Notice the words that shall arise. And the horns are a symbol of power and authority. Think of the authority of a king. So we've got four beasts. And the fourth beast is diverse. It's different from the rest. It's the most fierce, the most brutal, the most depraved. And, and, and out of it is going to arise ten horns. It's not said of any other beast. This is a time in the future. Ten kings will arise out of the old Roman Empire. Ten is the number of completeness, of power and authority in the Bible. Think of ten commandments. So the idea is that these ten kings are full of power. And, and notice if you look at verse 24, it says, And another shall arise after them, and he shall be diverse from the first. 
and he shall subdue three kings. So now we've got 11 horns. A little horn, for he's mentioned in verse 8. I considered the horns, and behold, there come up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by his roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. Do you see that there? I want you to draw your attention as we close to the importance and significance of this little horn. Now, what I'm about to give you is a little outline that was used recently by the Reverend John Greer. So I'm sharing that with you, and I'm not plagiarizing. I'm simply telling you where I got this information. I've already drawn attention to the little horn. Uh, Daniel was interested in knowing about the little horn. The little horn, of course, is the Antichrist. Think of the appearance of the little horn. In its visible form, it was small and little. It was a smaller kingdom. It attacked and took over three of the bigger kingdoms, three of the ten horns. A small king with a small kingdom. This horn, we're told, had the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. Verse 8. And we're told that the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them. So there's the appearance of the little horn. Think of the arrogance of the little horn. It says in verse 7, And a mouth speaking great things. Now, what did it say? We're told there in um, verse 20, even of that horn that had eyes and a mouth that spake very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows. Now, that's not a reference to fatness. It's a reference to a man that's full of pride, boasting of great things, using its tongue, but boasting of great things. It's one of the mark of fallen sinners to be full of pride and to boast of great things and to uh, put himself first and flaunt himself and prefer himself. So not only think of the attention of the little horn and the appearance of the little horn and the arrogance of the little horn, but, but think of the authority of the little horn. It says in verse 20, whose look was more stout than his fellows. Nothing to do with alcohol, nothing to do with a bottle of stout, nothing to do with fatness. It means a great one in the earth, one full of authority, like a captain or a lord, um, in, in, in terms of its behavior. This little horn has got great authority. So, so it's not only arrogant, but it's authoritative. Think of the ascendancy of the little horn. It came to the fore. It caught Daniel's attention. He said in verse 8, Behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. Think of these four world empires. Babylon, the Medes and Persians, the Greeks, the Romans. The fourth is the greatest of all, the kingdoms. And that's a fact. You think of the, the terror and dread and ruthlessness and fierceness of the Roman Empire, a power not seen. And out of this empire, ten kings are going to emerge. And in the midst of this ten kings, then a little horn is going to emerge. 
and this little horn will be small, and he'll too have a kingdom, but, but he will strip three of these horns of their kingdom. The eleventh horn is very subversive. Daniel said, I considered and they held him. Verse 20. Think of the activity of the little horn. He made war with the saints. It says, until the ancient of days came. Think of the battle, the, the spiritual war here. Non-stop persecution. And isn't the persecution of the church of Jesus Christ been going on for days, years, centuries? Hasn't ceased. It continues right up to the end. And of course, if possible, we'll wear out the saints. Look at verse 25. And he shall speak great words against the Most High. And shall wear out the saints of the Most High. And think to change and laws, and there shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of times. Not only a spiritual battle, but spiritual blasphemy, speaking great things against the Most High, saying there is no God, saying that he is God, having power to change times and laws, and that's given to him. Setting aside laws, good laws, for his godless ways. And do we not see that already? As we close tonight, could I get you to turn to three passages of Scripture? Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Look with me at verse 3. It says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. And that's man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalted himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ cannot return and will not return till two things happen. Till first of all, there's a falling away first, a great apostasy, and do we not see that in apostate Protestantism? And then secondly, the second reason why he cannot come until the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. And, and the man of sin, the son of perdition, is the same little horn mentioned in Daniel 7. It's, it's one and the same. Oh, that you could understand this tonight. And of course, when the Lord Jesus comes back, he'll deal with the man of sin. It says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8, And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. You see, Antichrist is not just a godless system. He, he does represent and head up a godless system. But I believe that Antichrist is an actual man, a man with eyes, a man speaking great words. So here's a view of world history that's relevant and real and up to date. In the book of Revelation, we read, And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And if you read that, there's a parallel between Daniel 7 and Daniel chapter 3. And of course, over there in 1 John chapter 4 and the verse 3, we read these words. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. 
And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. I want you to think tonight as we close of the rising up of this little horn. His ascendancy. He's given a mouth. He has eyes to see. He changes laws until Jesus comes. And I have no idea who he is. And it's useless to speculate. I have no idea when he'll come. Again, it's useless to speculate. One day he will come. But what I do know is this. The spirit of Antichrist is already at work. And I know this, that the church will have to go through the great tribulation. It always has done and will do in the future. And and through the spirit of Antichrist and by the power of Antichrist, men will rise up to change the times and change the law. You think of the changes to marriage already made. Uh, uh, Parliament in Westminster has already... legitimize laws for such wickedness and perversity to take place. You think of nine million abortions in the United Kingdom alone since 1967. You think of the attempt to dethrone God because men hate God and and their deeds are evil. You you think of this um, business of transgenderism. You think of uh, homosexuality tonight. You know homosexuality is a sin. It's a sin under the judgment of God. But I want to tell you tonight, homosexuality is a sin that sinners can be saved from. And we should pray for those who who are involved in acts of homosexuality. And we shouldn't loathe them. We shouldn't hate them. We we should seek to to love them in Jesus' name and, and help them in any way that we can. Remember, the greatest gift is the gift of love. And think as we finish tonight of the accountability of the little horn. Reverend Greer didn't mention this, but I'm adding this. Eventually, the little horn will be dealt with with the Lord when the Ancient of Days comes and, and, and thrones in heaven are cast down and the throne and kingdom of Jesus Christ is set up and the beast will be slain and his body destroyed and he'll be given to everlasting burnings for, forever and ever according to the power and the pleasure of God. Here's Daniel's vision and the little horn. I want you to think of the record. I want you to think of Daniel's response. But I want you to think of this revelation. And focus in tonight in this little horn. Give attention to the little horn. Think of his appearance, his arrogance, his authority, his ascendancy tonight. Think of his activity tonight, making war with the saints, wanting to dethrone God, who will declare himself to be God in a day to come. And this view of world's history is real, it's relevant, and it's up to date. And I commend it to you tonight. And I trust and pray the Lord will bless you with understanding into the hidden things and the deep things of God. Next week, we'll look uh, in the will of God at the Ancient of Days.